Salty Bible Hour is a ministry of Open Door Baptist Church of Brighton, Tennessee. Scripture is our final authority, whereby any and all church councils, creeds, and quotes are in subjection. Salty subscribers will become equipped in debasing ivory tower scholarly consensus with blue-collar Bible basics. No fluff or filler here, just substance, seasoned with salt, not coated with sugar. Because this is oh, what we're I record. Yeah, we're recording. We're live, and we'll edit it back to wherever yeah, we want to edit sure, it back. Sure, sure, we'll sure. Cut out where we're talking bad about look, whoever we were look, talking bad about before. There's that. my notes. Yeah, there's your notes. I'm sorry, I know I didn't bring. We'll it go. In. We'll go with what we got, and I I got a lot. We'll go maybe like we do, and just uh, we'll 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 see where this goes. So I'm gonna frame. I'm gonna frame an opening here, and then I'm gonna hand it off to you because I feel like I was. We were wanting to stagger this out, but we felt the way that the last video ended, it was almost necessary we start with this, and maybe we'll revisit it some more later. But we're going to talk about what you would call dispensational premillennial rapture. That's what we're going to say. Now, anything that's premillennial, for anyone who's watching this, you've got essentially what would be called dispensational premillennials and historic premillennials. A historic premillennial is going to basically say that the church has replaced Israel and that there is no uh, coming of Jesus Christ prior to the tribulation, and that that happens after the tribulation, and that then Jesus Christ starts his millennial reign, right? That's the, that's the layout of their structure. There's some differentiation between individuals with that, but I think that's pretty solid in a way to approach it. So we're dispensational, right? We're dispensational premillennials, which means we believe that there is a rapture before the events of what would be called the tribulation. Then there is something known as the second coming that happens at the end of the tribulation before Christ's actual reign on earth. This is all set up, Revelation 19, the beast and the devil and the Antichrist are defeated. The beast and the Antichrist are thrown into a lake of fire. The devil is bound for a thousand years. And then we get this passage is where I'm going to start. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old servant, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into a bottomless pit. Okay? There's a literal reign of Jesus Christ that we believe is a thousand year period that, that happens after the events of the tribulation. So anyone who is bashing, someone who's dispensationalist, if you believe in a three-and-a-half-year tribulation, if you believe in a rapture in the mid-trib, if you believe in a rapture before the tribulation event, any of, the, any of those beliefs puts you into a dispensationalist category. Like, this is not something, this is not a definition I came up with. This is Dallas Theological Seminary's definition. This is Yale's definition. This is Harvard's definition when it comes to eschatology, okay? This isn't Joe Carter's definition of these things. So anyone who would believe in an event prior to the second coming, you're viewing it just like how an Old Testament Jew does when he reads Daniel chapter 12. He's viewing the events of there's going to be a tribulation, and then there's going to be a resurrection, which is what um, you just preached on this, which is what Martha is talking about at Lazarus, the last resurrection, right? There's going to be a resurrection of the dead for the believers after the event of the, that tribulation, okay? They never saw the tribulation really, and they never really understood the millennial reign, but we're laying all these things out to say we're talking about a very specific category of eschatology. 
If you don't understand this part of it, then where it's going to get lost is there's a lot of people who are going to talk about a rapture or catching away. I think some of the what we've even seen people trying to talk about a um, a pre-tribulation rapture, they'll use Matthew chapter 24, right? To even try to say they that. No, they won't. They, they would say that's a post-tribulation or a mid a mid-tribulation rapture. rapture. Okay. Yes. Yes. So after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light blah 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 and yes you should see the appearing of the son of man and they they put that as a rapture and i think verse 30 and 31 to keep okay so you have these events right and this is why I'm, I'm, it's a narrowing spectrum of of eschatology and we're starting from a very wide one but just understand if you hear someone bashing dispensationalist I would say 90% of the time they don't even understand the framework of which they're bashing someone, mm -hmm. right? Because when you talk about historic dispensationalism, you're talking about dispensationalism that could be accepted by the Catholic Church during the time the Catholic Church basically controlled all church history for over a thousand years of church history, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that when you hear people talk about dispensationalism, they're going back before 500 AD or they're going forward after 1500 AD because those ideas were not allowed for public debate. I mean, is that, am I framing that somewhat correctly? Would you say that's a fair framework? Yeah, the historical dispensationalism, I guess if you want it to, it sounds a little more dignified than <laughs> dispensational salvation or dispensational eschatology, historic, I guess. Uh, but I'm not sure about what happened in the Dark Ages, and I'm not sure about what any Jew that ever read Daniel understands. I don't believe they understand they're going through a tribulation. I know Daniel's describing that. Yeah. But I don't think a Jew understands that, but what do I know? Yeah. I, Daniel's obviously disturbed by what he sees, and it shakes him to his core, and he's very troubled with he's what's going to come. Thinking, probably thinking in the realm of a much nearer reaching fulfillment than what the And maybe he is. Book, and so look, this is how you get the whole framework of, you're gonna start from here and we're gonna go back and we're gonna say, let's start all the way back at, we are in a church age, right? I think that's undeniable. We already believe that, okay? The next event on the calendar, according to what you believe in scripture, should be a rapture. Let's start there. And we'll piece out the little things as they come along. Where would you say, all right, I know there's an impending rapture, I don't care if, the first three and a half years of Jesus Christ are part of this seven-year period, or if this all seven-year period is still future, and I'm interpreting, uh, you know, Revelation 12 as that, and Daniel chapter uh, seven and Daniel chapter 12, I'm interpreting those days as not being completed. The abomination of desolation is a trigger point in the midst of mm -hmm. that, or is a trigger point for the Antichrist being revealed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then we know that from that point forward is at least three and a half years, and then there's the second coming of Jesus Christ. How do I know there's gonna be a rapture before that point? Well, uh, it, it's, there's a lot of opposition that goes up against the concept of even a rapture. They see his appearing. That's not a rapture, that's his appearing. Or you'll see his coming. It's just the coming of the Lord. Okay. So, uh, of course, you won't find the word rapture in the Bible, and this is not a 101 course, so I'm not gonna explain that. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> it's a little more advanced. But uh, before you can put the player in the field, Let's lay out the field a little better. Okay. Uh, when I say the field, how about you could say the eschatological timeline or the uh, eschatological terrain or yep. topography. We got to get that laid out just a little bit. For example, and it's going to, I'm going to start in First Thessalonians. First just Thessalonians. For a sec, just, I want just some observation points that we need to just put in our toolbox 
and look at. Um, look at verse 10. And this is, of course, it couldn't get any more Pauline than Thessalonians. Uh, and uh, so this is to the body of Christ who he's preaching to. And uh, he said, notice how uh, verse 9, he said, you've turned uh, to God from idols. No doubt they've got a, Jew, uh, a Gentile background. You don't, they never said that to a Jew. Yeah. In Hebrews, he said, you turn to uh, repentance from dead works mm -hmm. and faith in God. That's, uh, you don't say that to a Jew. Jews are monotheistic. There's no idols. You see? Yeah. So turn to God from idols to serve the living God. So that's, that's a Gentile body. Okay. Now, <clears throat> what, look at verse 10. And to what? <laughs> to wait for his son from heaven. Here we are. We're waiting for Jesus Christ, right? Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which uh, delivered us from the wrath to come. So you see, Paul's reminding these guys, we're waiting on the coming of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, look what he says here in verse uh, chapter 3. Look at verse 13. The Bible says in verse 12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Even our Father, watch it, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. See a difference there already? Chapter 1, verse 10 says we're waiting on the Lord. He says here, when he comes, he comes with the saints. Mm -hmm. Now, who are those saints? Romans chapter 16, verse 20. I'll just quote it. He says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He's talking, we are the body of Christ. Yeah. That's us coming. That's not the rapture, but that's a coming. And we are with Jesus Christ. Here, saints are with mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Go back to chapter 2 and look at verse number 19. For what is our hope or, or joy or crown of rejoicing? Watch this. Are, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? Verse, chapter 10, verse 1, we're waiting for the Lord to come. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2, verse 19, we're in the presence of Him at His coming. Chapter 3, verse 13, we're coming back with Christ. Mm -hmm. Romans 16, verse 20, we do the, we're, the, we're the, the instruments of judgment and destruction coming back. Something happened in between all that. Yeah. You got, that's what I mean. Just, just to lay that out, I can't put all the puzzle pieces together. We just got to get the right, right components on the board. How do, you, how do you deal with that? Now look, he says this. In chapter, uh, uh, what is our hope? Where does it say that? What is our hope and rejoice? Where is that at? Oh, yeah. Chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope? Um, our hope is found at the rapture, at the coming of the Lord. I'm in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Now, again, I'm not, I don't have to use the word dispensationalism. I'm not, I'm not mapping things to some dispensational chart. Uh, I am, that chart comes from someone paying attention to Scripture like I'm doing right now. Uh, you will not be able to speak with any authority on the subject of the rapture and the second coming without understanding what I'm showing here. Uh, chapter 2, verse, thir uh, verse uh, 13, watch it. Looking for that, there's our hope, that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's go back before that teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in what? This present world. In this present world. Well, what about the world to come? 
What about the world that was before? What about the old world that was? No, we're not talking to that. When you speak of dispensational thought, this present world is different than another world. We are, when you mention the church age, that's the world that we are in right now. Now, this present world, oh, let's, um, let's break that down a little bit. Okay, just understand this, what world we're in. And we use those semantics. I know people want to say that should be age. No, world's just fine. Welcome to my world. <laughs> that's a different world over there. We use that all the time. That's mm -hmm. a and you, what we can say, that's a different arena. Yeah. That's a different uh, landscape. It's a different arena. Uh, I, I'm in uh, Ephesians quickly. I'm in Ephesians. <clears throat> and Ephesians chapter 1. And also, won't you do this and grab Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. Now, he says, this is our behavior in this present world. And then he says, we're look, that's our blessed hope is looking for the appearing of the Lord. We're, that's, that, that's synonymous with the, those in 1 Thessalonians waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. We want to be clean when he comes and not have to. Uh, that's where the judgment seat of Christ affects us and things like that. Now, I'm in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 21, speaking of uh, Jesus Christ, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, in uh, every name that is named, watch it, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That's not this present world. This present world is different than that which is to come. Now, you're going to read about a world that is to come in chapter 2, verse 5 of Hebrews. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. That's what Hebrews is speaking about, speaking about the world to come. It's not mine and your world. Our world is in this arena right here called the Age of Grace, up until the, when the rapture comes, our world it has changed. Our world is over. So uh, that's, that's what you've got to do. You're not going to be able to speak on this thing unless you parse that out. I'll show you something else just to show you. I'm laying that thing out. And, hey, it ain't sexy. It's not romantic. It, it, it's, not, it's not something that's going to... Um, it's responsible Bible study that you've got to layer this thing out and put this thing in its proper uh, topography before you can start discussing his appearing, his coming, a resurrection. I'm going to show you. Now, look at, look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, and also grab Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is not anything complex at all. But if you don't start paying attention to the words you're reading, you're going to just conflate everything and have it, uh, and you're going to have some big problems if you cannot give place to what we call dispensational thought. Look at chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, watch it, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. These last days are the, when His Son spake he is talking about, uh, that's, the, that's the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ spoke to them. Um, and, uh, he made the worlds. There's more than one world. The world to come, the world that then was, the, this present world. Now, with that being said, uh, something happened. He, he came speaking, and the world of the Jews is about to end because they're going to re reject Jesus Christ. And look at chapter 9, look at verse 26. <clears throat> And speaking of uh, uh, the figures in heaven and things like that and the true tabernacle and things like that. Now look at verse 26. Uh, speaking of Jesus Christ offering himself, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Watch this. But now once 
in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Could, would I have to twist your arm at all to say that that has to do with when Jesus Christ was walking this earth? No. Yeah, that's Jesus Christ putting, presenting himself as yeah. an offering for sin. The Bible says that's the end of the world. Yeah. Paul, after that, is saying, in this present world, mm -hmm. you're to live. What changed? Is there a different topography? Is there a different arena that we're in? What are we in? Why? How could that be? How could we be still living in that same world? No, another world. We are in the church age. We, it is a, on a timeline, you would see a parenthetical gap where, where he went to, the, went to the Gentiles, of course, and uh, his body and the mystery form of it took, took place and things like that. Only through study would someone ever understand that. I'm going to show you the problems you'll get into if you don't understand that. Okay. Because that world, our world, when does our present world end? I say it's at the coming of the Lord or the rapture of, the of His church. Yeah. And then that world is going to be opened up again. That's the world to come. You see, uh, I'll show you. Show me. I'll show because I'm going somewhere. You've got to preface this because we're going to talk about resurrection in a moment. Okay. Okay. But look at Hebrews chapter eight, <clears throat> or uh, you know maybe uh, chapter nine even. Oh, how about this? I'm going. I want to say something to you, and you're going to default, and you got because unless you're thinking, you're not going to be. You won't. You won't realize the value of this until you have to think about it. Okay. We just read over it to too often. Here we go. Look at, he's talking about the, uh, the offering of Jesus Christ being the, the, the true tabernacle from heaven, Jesus Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> you know, he's a mediator of a uh, better covenant. Look at verse 7. For if that, what does that say? First, First covenant. covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. You've got this is what you've got to get. Everyone has to get this, or you cannot speak with authority on end time stuff. Okay? What's the first covenant mean? Well, it's, I think in that context would have to be the law. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're spot on. It's not a trick question. Yeah. Okay, watch this, though. He said, this is how the Bible works, Joey. If that first covenant had been faultless, he doesn't take the time to explain anything. Mm -hmm. He's talking about a first covenant, and the context tells you what it yeah. is. But hey, that first covenant, the first, if you conflate everything, the first covenant goes back. Can you not read where Noah, God made a covenant with Noah? Mm -hmm. Can you not see before where he made a covenant yeah. with Adam? Yeah. There's lots of covenants way before. There's a covenant that he made. Uh, after, I mean, the second covenant would be, I mean, there's a covenant after Moses. There's a covenant that he made with Abraham. Yeah. Abrahamic covenant. Mm -hmm. So where's the first covenant? What if we got real super ultra technical and started saying, because I'm going to go somewhere, it's going to be the same thing with the resurrection. Yeah. If that first covenant, well, it's the first covenant for the Jew. Yeah. Because we're in the arena of that world. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to categorize and understand the arena that you're in. Hey, you've got the first covenant, and the second is, is the new covenant, which is a part of that extends on into uh, the, the world to come, mm -hmm. no doubt. The first covenant is, the. what about the Abrahamic covenant? Wouldn't that be the first? No, that's not the covenant for Jews. That's a covenant that there will be Jews. Yeah. The first covenant that's ever been established with the Jews is the Mosaic covenant. Got it? So that's what... Uh, is what we're dealing with now is the if you can't put things into their proper arena or space, 
those words will mean nothing to you like in chapter 9, verse 26. I know that's a, that's a hunk of stuff, but you'll have to let that resonate. That stuff will have to find you as you, as you uh, parse out things in your Bible. Uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, then verily the first covenant also had ordinances. You can't just blindly say first covenant is going back to Adam. Yeah, Adam. You can't do that. It's, you've got to look at the context in the arena that you're in. So when we're dealing with, with resurrection, you're going to see the first resurrection. It's the first resurrection. Revelation 20, right? You're going to see yeah. that. What, what, that's not the first resurrection, or, but within a certain arena it is. And if you can't identify the arena that you're in on that eschatological map, yeah. you will never get the uh, your the premillennial order of anything right, and you will have just one general resurrection and everything uh, conflated. And I'm gonna it. pause for a second to catch the audience up. If you're thinking about this in a literal, the reason why you have the idea of a of any premillennial position is because you're taking the Bible literally. So when it says there's a literal thousand year reign of Christ, you're saying, "Yep, that's what the Bible says." Well, the chapter before that. Is chapter 19, which is Armageddon. Well, what happens in chapter 19? Who comes down to meet Jesus Christ? Where are we at? Revelation 20? Revelation 19, yeah. Revelation 19, the bride of Christ comes down to meet Jesus Christ before Armageddon, which precedes the first Revelation 19, verse what? Uh, that would be, um, I don't even know, I'm probably looking back in verse 6, 7. There's a bride of Christ that appears somewhere, 4, 5, 6, 7. Yeah, 7. seven okay. Seven. So, a bride of Christ appears. So who's this bride? Who are these saints that are with Jesus Christ at Armageddon before the first resurrection that doesn't happen until chapter 20? Uh, that would just be a good way for people to understand the whole first covenant thing, first resurrection thing. I'm sorry, my attention was divided. You said, who is the bride of Christ here in Revelation 19? Basically solving the problem of where are these... We know the bride of Christ is the church, and they're with Jesus Christ mm -hmm. at Armageddon, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When did that happen? If the first resurrection isn't until after Armageddon's over in chapter 20. See what I'm saying? See the problem of thinking that no one's resurrected or we're not gathered together until that point in time? If, I'm, if I could... If I could. Speak for on behalf of opponents. They're going to say that that's the rapture and the resurrection that occurs. Yeah, they're going to say the the folks in chapter twenty verse four. I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. I saw the souls of them that were headed for the witness of, of Jesus and for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark on their foreheads. Uh, that's tribulation stuff, you see. Which that's why they say we go through the tribulation. Yes. Now let's let's stay with that for a minute. The 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 pre wrath, and we know that we. Your, your average dispensationalist would rightfully so show, hey, we're not appointed to wrath, First Thessalonians yeah. chapter 2 or 3, I think. And we're not, uh, God is not appointed. We, he's delivered us from the wrath to mm -hmm. come. And uh, they, they will say that we conflate tribulation and wrath, and they are real big to categorize that. Say tribulation comes before wrath. Mm -hmm. And that's their, that's their go-to thing. Um, I'm, that's another subject that's, that, that would take some scrutiny. But... Yeah, and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. These, these guys, these are not, you would agree that chapter 20, verse 4 is not us. No, it's tribulation that crowd, that crowd, The crowd that is pushing back so hard 
against the, uh, the premillennial crowd that, that believes we are pre-wrath, but mid-tribulation rapture would say, that is us. We go through tribulation, yeah. right? The, uh, what they call the tribulation. Now, stay with that for a minute. I want, I want to ask you, see if this doesn't uh, uh, add value to what we're looking at. Look, at, look back at first Thessalonians. With that thought in mind, uh, Revelation 14 says, basically, I'm going to paraphrase Revelation 14. If you take the mark of the beast, mm -hmm. let me ask you that. Here we are in Revelation 14. If you take the mark of the beast, is there any hope for you? No. You go to hell. Yep. You burn, uh, late, uh, tormented, day and night, mm -hmm. okay, all that stuff, if you take the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. Now, I say there's no, there's no possibility of, a, of you and me ever be tempted with taking the mark of the beast. The pre-tribulation yeah. rapture, we're out here before then. Um, but they advocate, and I know I'm, I'm going to speak for them a little bit the best that I can and represent them honestly. I think they, they have this idea that if you are a true Christian, mm -hmm. you will not take. The, the, the elect will not be deceived. See how messed up you can get in putting us with the elect of, of Matthew 24 and saying we wouldn't, if it were possible, even the very elect will be saying, well, the, the impetus is, or the uh, implication is, it's not possible to deceive yeah. us with that. That's Second um, Thessalonians 2, right? And, um, I know some saved people. I wouldn't. Are you very confident that they wouldn't take the mark of the beast if there was possible for self survival? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you play. Look, I think it's like a combination of you have to start with. I think this is a good way to say it. If you if you're going to take the Bible seriously, turn to Amos chapter nine and read. I think twelve through fourteen, right, where it says that you're going to dwell in the land forever. Well, let's spiritualize that. I guess that there's twenty acres in the backside of some mountain in the desert of Judea. That's going to be yours, and you get to live there forever. Doesn't that sound like heaven? Or dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How about that? You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, like, there, it's a specific promise to Israel that they will dwell in that land forever. And you have a, th a bunch of those land promises. I don't want to say a thousand. You probably have a hundred, I would say, specific land promises to the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. So if you're acquiring all of those and then taking that into that we are now Israel as the church— then I think that's where this is going to go. And of along. course, as far as that terrain you were talking about, that's a, that's another topic as far as showing. I, I, I'm I'm Joe. I'm I'm approaching this with the that's the marriage of historic premillennialism right. and whatever this new dispensational yeah. premillennialism premillennialism is. And the reason I'm saying that they they don't realize they're even dispensational mm -hmm. is by them separating any event before. Revelation 24 right. as a general coming of Jesus Christ and the general resurrection. Of, they're now Matthew 24. Huh? Did you say Matthew? 24? No, Revelation 20 verse 4. God, like God, that God, first God, resurrection, God. right? Because yeah. they make that first resurrection the essential. That's our rapture, I know. I know. right? Yeah. That's our rapture. Sure. Okay, and it's at the end of the tribulation. Well, what I was go ahead. I, I, I was laying this thing out now again. What I, what I start? I started. With the, with the idea, if you take the mark of the beast, let me ask you something. If you take the mark of the beast, will you live? Yeah. You're not going to starve to death. You're going to be socially accepted. Yeah. You're going to live, right? Okay. Now, notice this. This is the coming of the Lord. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. Now, watch this. Look at chapter uh, 4. This is a big go-to passage as far as our uh, rapture. Verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, Concerning them which are asleep. That's synonymous with death. That's the sleep of death. That's the body in the grave every time. That, so he's talking about those who are in the grave. 
that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. You believe that, Joel? Yeah, Okay, amen. then we, we are in this category. Yep. This, this is hitting home. Uh, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus, they say, if I died today, I sleep in Jesus. Okay, you're alive yeah. and I'll be dead in this scenario. Will God bring with him? Good question. Where's he bringing them to? But that's another, another thing. Uh, watch this, verse 15. This is everything. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. To prevent is not to hinder, it's to prevent, it's to pre precede, right, yeah. to precede them. That's a good way to put it. Um, you getting something here? Now look. Mm -hmm. If we are in the tribulation, let's let's put ourselves in that 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 false scenario yep. that we are in the tribulation and man. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing in the town will take the mark of the beast. Am I alive at the coming of the Jesus, Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Do I remain? I'll, I'm alive and remain. Yeah. Notice this. But I'm good, right? <laughs> uh, because for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. It looks like those that are, if you are in the tribulation and you are alive and remain, yeah. guess what? It looks like you just, as long as you stay alive, take the mark of the beast, do whatever you want. You realize that can't fit? Yeah. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. Because it says this. Here we go. Let's, let's try this again. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, that's, way, that's before any of that, and yeah. Christ, okay? Uh, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the uh, trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive, notice this, man, that can't be. Anyone who's been in the that can't be a post-tribulation rapture because a lot of people are going to be alive. You mm -hmm. see, and if you are saved and you are alive at that point, um, it's because you took the mark of the beast to stay alive. Yeah, you see, and it's it, it there, there's no allowance for that. That's in the weeds. You got to get in the weeds. You've got to you've got to do that. But those are the things that that do not give wiggle room for a mid-trib rapture. Yeah. Hope that hope that uh, is beneficial to you because it says, look at if this is uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, wouldn't you think Paul would be obligated to warn against us taking any kind of mark or anything like that? Would he not warn that just because you're alive, just because you just in order to stay alive, <laughs> do whatever yeah. you have to do? No, it's just talking about those that are alive within the arena of this present world. You cannot put us in another world, yeah. in another arena. You've got to you've got to categorize the 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 right. Um, uh, I mean, I'll just say the right arena yeah. would be a good way to put that thing. So uh, that's just a few things that you're going to have to consider when you look at First um, Thessalonians. And uh, go ahead, I can tell you got something to say. I was going to go. No, what I was going to I was going to lay it out the same way that we've made it, laid out other arguments. You have to imagine there's a Christian that's been saved who's reading this in 57 A.D. and he will die in 87 A.D. long before Revelation is ever written, mm -hmm. right? And how would that be interpreted underneath that spectrum, right? So I think that there has to be some allowance to say, if you're looking at this and we believe that God's the author and you're laying this out for it to be read in future years to come or however you think God uh, preserved his word and did this, 
it doesn't make any eschatological sense because you're not looking over one mountain of oh well why doesn't talk about why doesn't it talk about the impending Armageddon that precedes us? Why doesn't it talk about the impending millennial reign that precedes us? You're looking over a thousand mountaintops that occur after this event. It's giving you a definition of this is the end of this timeline, right? This present world that you've broken up. And this is how this present world will end, right? And it's always the two biggest markers for the second coming versus Christ's coming to get his churches. One is an extremely happy event. And the other one is dreadfully fearful every time. Mm-hmm. One is a thing that we're looking forward to with joy. And I, however you want to play that out, however you want to play that out, if you want to play that out that, well, it's the saints look forward to it, but the world's fearful of it. Maybe you can play it out that way if you want to. But I'm telling you again and again, throughout even the Old Testament, the second coming of Jesus Christ is not a pleasant thing. Mm-hmm. Trampling underneath the, the, I mean, horses up to the blood of the, blood up to the horse's bridle and basically all the fowls of the air are gathered together to eat the dead people like pretty horrific mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i don't know i'm not much of a sadist that's not a scene i look forward right. to right. i'll have to have a redeemed body that's completely changed and be a different person before i could look forward to that mm-hmm. if you're saying we're living through it and then looking forward to it yeah right you know what i'm saying that seems like it'd be difficult to to map what did you think, because we just did have Brother Gip come in, and this is on the tail end of a video of recapturing those ideas. What did you think of him saying that all of the book of Revelation is yet future? I didn't catch exactly what he meant by that. I, I, probably the same thing I've said before. If you were going to be doctrinal about Revelation 2 and 3, you'd put that in churches into tribulation. Okay. I think that's probably what he meant. I don't think he would deny the, the panoramic overview of church history as it sinks up. As in, if, if he did, I would disagree with him. Okay. I think that's interesting. For your perspective, because I think we're both aligned on this, and I think that there might be more, or maybe we're not satisfactory as possible. We're not given enough to people if they want more of this, but to lay out a more structured argument for uh, pre-tribulation rapture. Mm-hmm. How would you say, okay, what is the biggest difference that you could make? You'd say, the reason I know for sure that this has to precede this event, this catching away, right? And you get that. There's, like we've talked about before with the, um, with the, the types and the, the archetypes and stuff, mm-hmm. there's a thousand little threads of this type of a catching away of the people of God. And there's obviously a catching away of tribulation saints at the end of the tribulation that occurs. Mm-hmm. What would you say for anyone who is looking at this and saying, I need, I, need just, I need a basic timeline to know, okay, I start here, and this is where the church ends, and this is where the tribulation begins. This is how I know that this rapture right here is specifically only church, and this is how I know this rapture right here is specifically only tribulation saints. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's no trick. There's no tricks to this. It's going to be First Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through the rest of the chapter. That's that's going to be the meat and potatoes. Of 100% church. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then you've got situation because, but when you say types and stuff, again, I, I used that thing in our last video about the, the, the cornbread and the, and the cake. You don't know what what it is mm-hmm. until you see what is planned to be it's embellished with those types and things. I, I'm seeing every type and shadow that I'm seeing supports a pre-trib rapture of mm-hmm. the church. 
I'm not seeing where there's any kind of type that that supports their eschatological view. Where are their embellishments? What can they do? In other words, uh, but sometimes we we tend to see pre-trib rapture of the church where it is a mid-trib rapture of, of Israel. But um, I mean, there's a lot. There's some. I think last time I showed you Song of Solomon chapter two. I think uh, I don't remember where else I went. Um, what else did I say? Um, just as far as just garnishing the doctrine with Old Testament shadows. Song of Solomon 2, I showed that. I don't remember what else I said. But, um, I mean, you can see that as early as... So if you want to see a timeline, you don't have to... You want to see a, a, a layout, an eschatological timeline of how it plays out in the New Testament. Uh, look at Moses delivering Israel from Egypt. You've mm -hmm. got, you got Egypt picture of the world system. There's no doubt about it. God's always reminding them, I called you out of the land of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh is going to be a picture of the, the um, oppressing world power of that time, a picture yeah. of, of Satan. What's he doing? He's targeting those Jews. Yes. And he's trying to annihilate them, trying mm -hmm. to kill the baby boys. Remember, throw them into the river, yep. putting them under bondage and things like that, and they are oppressed. And that is a, that's going to be a picture of the time of tribulation. Yeah. To such a degree that do you not see in a place where there's darkness over the land with the plagues that yeah. came to Egypt? Do you not see where there's blood in the water? Does that not tether right to what you read in the book of Revelation? Yeah. Do you see plagues of, of flying things and, and just they're getting uh, afflicted? And it's what is it doing? It's necessary if that affliction wasn't there those Jews will not repent and believe Moses. Mm -hmm. They won't want out of that mess. Yeah. How do we know? Because the first time he came, there was, there was nothing really going on except just, a, just daily life. Did he not appear Moses mm -hmm. as a picture of Jesus Christ to such a degree that Moses said, a prophet will God raise up like unto but, me, yep. him shall you hearken to. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's in Deuteronomy 18. So to, to show you how just that little pattern, if you want a good little timeline, Moses came to his brethren he said, hey, why do you fight? Why are you fighting? Yep. They say, who made thee a judge and a ruler over us? <laughs> now, does that not sync up with Jesus Christ leaving, yeah. leaving heaven, coming here and saying, That's uh, excellent. he came to his own, and his own received him not, John 1.11. That's excellent, Kirby. Mm -hmm. That's, so what, what did Moses do? Moses got, I don't know what, what mm -hmm. did he do? He went to Midian, married Zipporah. Yep. She's a Gentile. Mm -hmm. He got a Gentile bride. All this time's going by. We don't realize how much time. That was at least 40 years after that yeah. before he came back. Now he's 80 years old. He's got a Gentile bride. All the time, there's affliction from Pharaoh, that brutal taskmasters are making your own, get your own straw, make your own brick, it's, and still meet the same demand. Just so much pressure on these people. What, is, what does he do? He's got a Gentile bride. That's, that's the parenthetical gap mm -hmm. that I showed you in, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. There's something, there's a different arena that yep. Moses is in now. The Jews are still the Jews doing their thing. He's, he is identified with a Gentile, uh, Gentile bride. And you got him coming back in Exodus, I think, three or four. What does he do? They, they get on a, on a saddle of an ass. Mm -hmm. Now, does that not match Revelation chapter 20 pretty yeah. good, where they're on a white horse? He's coming back to the world, Egypt, yeah. to the picture of this world, no doubt. It's a picture of man's accomplishments apart from God. Um, so 
what is he doing? He's coming back with his Gentile bride. Now the plagues will begin. Yeah. Now the plagues. Now it's time for tribulation. Yeah. You understand? That was just just little stuff. This is fixing the deal. And what what is he doing? He's going to smite the world, the Gentile world powers that oppress Israel, mm-hmm. and they will believe him that time. And they did, and to such a degree that I mean that that thing maps to the New Testament reality of what's of the revelation of all that like a glove. And so here's the thing, how does that fit the tribulation? In Egypt, when the darkness fell, yeah. there was a group of people that have a safe place. Remember that was Goshen. Yep. If you're in Goshen, the flies are not, not bothering you, the frogs are not in your kneading troughs, yep. the, the plague of the lice and the locust and all of that stuff, the darkness that can be felt, no, you, you are safe in Goshen. Well, that's synonymous with in Revelation. Yep. In Revelation 12, God has prepared a place in the wilderness for that woman, that little remnant. Yep. There. Do you see that? Or This is what literally is. He did this all of his own. I was turning to 12 to get to lay out a timeline of events here, and I think this is going to work out perfect. You're in Revelation 12. I'm in Revelation 12. I... And just for the background, for anyone watching this, we've got no notes here, okay? <laughs> he didn't have any notes. I don't have any notes. We came down to sit down, and so I love when it, we get some good words. Well, I'll tell you, can I say this? Go ahead. It is, I, talk, I got this, and I got a pen, right? Uh-huh. I sat down to try to write. It's so multifaceted and so much. I don't know where to begin. That's, what I, that's my notes. Yeah. I can't write this stuff. It's too much, man. Yeah. For somebody to think they're going to get a little compartmentalized, little, little, um, uh, layout of all this and say this is my gate this is my cage everything's right in here and i've got this worked out so don't yeah. bother is very um uh, they they're um they're going to be disappointed look you know my fault i like building ramps for people as best as i can i don't know that you should right i don't know i've Brother Gip told me not to, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't. But I like making it where it's like, hey, let's try to bring this down to earth as much as possible. So what he just referenced is in chapter 5, uh, is verse 5 of chapter 12 what Revelation. What I just did, can I say it like this, it, that, that's going to show whether it's cake or it's cornbread. Yep. You know, and ahead. she brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. What verse? I'm starting in 5, we're, we're leading into 6. Yes, sir. Rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. I don't think that I'd have to make any leaps for us to say that's the ascension, right? Mm -hmm. All right, that's the ascension. Now, this is God's timeline of events. Remember who we started with. There's a woman in heaven, and she has 12 stars around her. Can that be anyone other than Israel? I believe it's Israel, yeah. She has a child. Can that child be anyone other than Christ? I believe you're right. Crowd... This child that's supposed to rule all nations with a rod of iron is caught up unto heaven. Why? Because he didn't. He didn't rule him with a rod of iron when he was caught up to heaven. Verse 6. So we're starting. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her a thousand two hundred and three score days. Now, you're going to figure that out. That's three and a half years. That's three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And let's see what happens here. This is kind of interesting. And there was a war in heaven, and Michael the angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against and prevailed not, neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great servant was cast, that old servant the devil, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying to heaven, Now cometh salvation and strength of the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ, and the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death, 
Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. And the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now look, he's going to pursue this woman, starting in verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman that was brought forth the man-child. Now it's all about the woman. We're not talking about the man-child. Who are we? We're the body of Christ. Right. We're the child in this story. We're not the woman, right? I don't believe the church has ever called a woman. We're called a bride. We're, We're called, called a, a bride. Virgin, virgin, never called a woman. But, That's just, but go ahead. Yeah, well, all right. And the woman was given two wings of an eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she has nourishment for how long? Time, time, Times, half time. Half of time. In the face of the serpent. Synonymous with the 1260 days. All right. So this is the thing of the seven versus three and a half years. You are either looking at two events where this is the first half of the tribulation in verse six, and this is the second in verse uh, mm -hmm. 14, right? And you're putting them together and you say it's a seven year period, and that's Daniel's 70th week. Mm -hmm. You get the exact same division in Daniel, though, where he says three and a half years, right? And then what's the, what's the commentary after the three and a half year period? He gives, I think it's 1,290 days in Daniel. Yeah, that's he says time times half of time, which would be three and a half years. Mm -hmm. It's one year, two years, half of one year, three and a half years for anyone who's looking at that. That's the timeline of the tribulation. But this is my thing with the, this is my argument for this whole thing. This is drawing out a Jewish remnant who has believed on Jesus Christ, right? After, that's not in this present world. That's, that's after we're gone. That's, that's the saint, the church what, is gone. In the start of this, though, mm -hmm. th that's, not, like, that's what you're saying. This is the timeline of God dealing with Israel. Yes, sir. That's the timeline of God dealing with Israel. Right. There's no church. The church is already left the scene, mm -hmm. and there's no way to put the church in a situation. What would be the point of persecuting a church you're trying to take all of the believers right now. I'm going to make myself Israel here. Mm -hmm. We're all saved believers, mm -hmm. right? And God's going to kill us until what? Until <laughs> we repent. Of being saved right. believers and trusting in His Son. Right. I understand. It's, it it's makes ridiculous. no sense. It makes no sense. Or yeah. you have a congregation of people known as the nation of Israel that have given birth to the Savior of the whole world, and God is persecuting them to refine a remnant that does believe on Him. To fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. To fulfill it, because that's the same group, like you said, that said, His blood be upon us and upon our children. Exactly. Now, you don't think God took note of that? Did God forget that they said that or said, okay, you and, don't know what you're saying, but let's, let's play this thing out. And that's why that horrific event, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. Exactly. I've said that in the past. I'll say it again because sometimes it takes more than once. We're not talking. There's no period of time in the Bible called the Great Tribulation or the Tribulation. Those are circumstances that define this time as the the correct terminology is the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob, we we got the promises of Isaac, the spiritual promises. <laughs> Isaac came before Jacob. Yeah. When you got Jacob, that Jacob, Isaac doesn't supersede Jacob. Mm -hmm. You understand? Jacob is Israel. God's still going to deal with Israel. So uh, go ahead, though. I didn't mean to. And I think that who, who is this? I want to give this to Knox. James Knox might have done this, okay. showcasing that the, it's the bad side every time. 
every time the people of God are doing something bad, they're Jacob. And every time they're doing something good, they're Israel, right? Okay. Like, or sometimes a, there's a good coordination of the carnal side okay. of the carnal side of Israel. That, but that's interesting. Anyhow, I want to give credit to him if yeah. he's the one that said, <laughs> I think he's the one. I probably, it's probably another guy and he's sitting there uh, smashing the TV right now. Oh, Anyhow, okay. with this being said, um, the reason I think this plays out so well back, going back to our two videos ago is that I think that falls in well to the fall of Satan, uh -huh. right? I don't think the fall of Satan is complete or what we understand to be the fall of Satan happened before time. I think some of that is obviously still yet future. Mm -hmm. Like I start starting from verse seven, I don't think this has happened yet, right? In our timeline of, of Revelation chapter 12. Right, right. I don't think that has yet occurred. Mm -hmm. And I think verse 13 through the end of that is absolutely the time of Jacob's trouble, which is a three and a half year period whether or not that is the whole, and I, I show all the holes in my game here. Mm -hmm. If you laid out for me with all these passages that it's 100% a three and a half year period, mm -hmm. I'm, I can say, yeah, I see that. And if you said, I think it's a seven year, mm -hmm. I say, yep, I see the times that it gave a period of time that could definitely mm -hmm. be seven years. Okay. I'm not really concerned with that aspect of it. I'm more concerned with the fact that I, the teaching that the church goes through this is very problematic because it makes the church Israel, right? Right, and that's why you've got to, uh, that's why we'll, we'll deal with that as it comes, and I've dealt with that many times, and that's the big thing. Again, to lay out the proper landscape, we didn't even talk about the church in Israel. Guys, the church is not Israel. I'll show you one thing. Go ahead. The church, we are not spiritual Israel. We Amen. are not spiritual Amen. Israel. And a lot of folks, a lot of that crowd will go as far to say, Israel is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the seed. The Messianic seed is not the seeds, plural. And they love to go to Galatians chapter 3 yeah. to show that it's one seed. Let me show you this. You're right here in chapter uh, 12, verse 13. <clears throat> if Jesus, Let's make Jesus Israel. And that's yeah. the culmination of Israel. Mm -hmm. That's it. And now that if you... Here's their, their consensus. Jesus Christ is true Israel. Mm -hmm. We are in Christ. We are Israel. Now yeah. Look at this. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw, future, that he was cast... Unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. She's already brought forth Jesus, mm. and he's still going after the woman. Yep. That's Israel. He's still going after Israel. So that's that that nullifies that. I hope that is a value. No, I think it's excellent. I don't. Uh, anyone who's trying to make Jesus Christ Israel, look, you've got some huge problems when you go into the Old Testament with that, because they are clearly separated, and Israel is judged by Jesus Christ. Right, and you've got big problems in the New Testament. Obviously, uh, the the phrase that has been said before, "true Israel." Right. Mm -hmm. Anyone who knows what in the, this all ends and culminates with this all culminates with there being one unified people at the end of time. Mm -hmm. Right. That happens at the end of time, where one in Christ and Christ is one in God. Right. Trying to pull that back throughout time. Well, there's, there's Jews, there's Gentiles, there's the, there's the church of God. Amen, absolutely. There's also neither male nor female, right? I hope that no one of the people that are preaching that we're Israel are teaching their sons and daughters are the same thing. Right. Right? right. Like, it's kind of silly. You've you got you to separate the spiritual from the physical. Amen. There's That's kind of what I'm driving There's neither male nor yeah. female, bond nor free, for we're one in Christ Jesus. Well, buddy, we still got male and female restrooms here. Amen. And we still keep people, a, a, a saved man, we go to the penitentiary and lead a man to the Lord. Guess what? He stays behind a lot physically. He's still a, yes. he's still a uh, prisoner. You and see. I so. want to say for the the people that might be critical, don't think that 
you don't think I know that there's a bunch of verses that say he is not a Jew that was one outwardly, but he is one inwardly. They're showing you the circumcision of the Holy Spirit on the heart of the believer. You can't map that out to every single promise into the Old Testament. And it doesn't, I don't want 20 acres in Judea. I have no, if you're going to give me some land, I hope God gives me British Columbia or somewhere up in Oregon or Washington, maybe <laughs> some of the Colorado Rocky territory. Yeah. Like that's what I'm hoping for. If I get a city to go, like give me, give me Denver or something. You're, you're you know? going to get the Wolf River Bottoms. So. <laughs> I'm going to get Avery, Mississippi. That's um, um, yeah, that's no more when you say that he's not a Jew outwardly or one inwardly. That, uh, I've said this before. That's not a doctrinal statement. That is a, that is a statement of, of privileged possession. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a comparative statement of privileged identity. I'll give you an example. Jesus Christ. Let's make this doctrinal. Jesus Christ he said, your mother and your brethren are calling you. And yep. He looks at the people. He says, behold, my mother and my brethren. You are my mother. You are my brethren. Yeah. Is that a doctrinal statement? <laughs> no. No, that's just a practical statement saying you're my family. Yeah. Those who take me seriously, I take you seriously. You, you can't launch a doctrine from that any more than you could launch a doctrine from Romans 2 about the Jew. You see? I, I think that the joint, look, you want to make a, a doctrine. We're joint heirs with Christ and we're part of his body and he is the head of the church, and we are his bride. Those are doctrinal things that I think that you could say, right? And the reason we know that, because you, you go to the Pauline epistles that lay that out in a doctrinal dissertation. And that's that's the better inheritance, and that is the inheritance that also Abraham and David and all those guys got in in the Old Testament. There's a separate Jewish thing that's occurring in that tribulation, and those tribulation saints are getting something unto themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably the fulfillment of those Old Testaments. Now, you've talked about who reigns in Jerusalem, whether it's Christ in the seat of David or it's actually David himself. Yeah. Listen, all of those things are minor details for believers. I don't really have a problem with that. I, I don't... If you want to split this thing up and you say, well, I believe in a mid-trib rapture, but I believe in a mid-trib rapture because the first three and a half years of the tribulation were Christ's ministry, so the next event on the calendar is a rapture, I don't care. Like, I don't care how you look at this thing. I do think some of this stuff, I heard a guy who taught AI say this. He said, here's the problem. He's like, I don't know when we get to this mountaintop if I'm going to see the rest of the way or I'm just going to see a thousand more mountaintops, mm -hmm. right? We're in a valley of the church age. And the end of this valley is what I, what I would say absolutely is the rapture. Mm -hmm. When we get to that point, I don't know what things look like past our time. And I don't know that we're totally supposed to. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 would give you a... Uh, can I look at that real quick? Let's go. Yeah. But real quick, while I'm in Revelation, I know you're going to be familiar with this, but another little one is I gave a good embellishment from the first part of the Bible with, uh -huh. uh, with a, a, a narrative, a timeline. Revelation 4. I'll just comment on that real quick. Uh, this is... It's all you see. I think I forgot how many... At least a dozen times from in Revelation 2 and 3 you will see mention of the churches. Church, churches, 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 churches. Uh, the last word of verse 3 is churches, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. When you get to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, this is, this is a, uh, a picture of the rapture, okay? This is John who is the 
if I had to explain this to someone, if I have to explain this to a proponent, an opponent of my stated position, they're not qualified to talk with me. Yeah. Okay. That John is a picture of the body of Christ. Come There's on. no doubt. John 21, he said, what is it that if he stays here till I come, right? Mm -hmm. Remains till I come. He's the one laying on Jesus's bosom and got the answer of, of who the Antichrist was, who Judas was, all yeah. that stuff. Why is that so valuable? Because it ties up with everything. Everything you see at that supper is a, is a fractal layout of, of the church age. Yeah. You, know, you got Simon Peter, picture, he's minister to the circumcision. Mm -hmm. Simon Peter, we're sitting at a table, however that table is, right? Yeah. He's laying on Jesus' bosom, they're chilling out, and he says, it's going to be who is, basically, who is the Antichrist? Mm -hmm. Who is the betrayer? Yeah. He reveals it to Peter, I mean, to, to Peter. To, he, re, he says it to everyone. And it's revealed to John. How come Peter couldn't see it? May I say Romans 11, blindness in part mm. has happened to Israel. Yeah. You see that? You, you've got to ask yourself, why didn't he see it, mm -hmm. right? And Peter even asked John, who is yeah. it? Still doesn't get it. Yep. That's blindness. That's the blindness of that Jew right there, okay? That's what the, the furnace of the great tribulation refines that Jew, that where he will repent and that remnant will uh, fulfill the covenant. Mm -hmm. Well, so here's John, picture of the body of Christ. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And whenever you see a door, you see a don't I think yeah. the heaven is opened in Revelation 19 because the body's coming yep. down. Uh, you've got a door opened in heaven. The first uh, and the first voice which I heard was it as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Now in First Corinthians, First Thessalonians 4, at the last trump. That's not the trumpet of Revelation 11. There's yep. no way you can put that. And if you you'll embarrass yourself trying to make that the trumpet of yep. Revelation 11, uh, that's the end of that's at the end of the tribulation. The kingdoms there, right? Uh, kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. Revelation 11:15. That's the seventh angel. That's the seventh trumpet. It yep. didn't say the last trumpet. The trump is a sound a trumpet makes. And I would tie this with what Brother Gibbs said about the trumpets at the at the uh, last day. At the, yeah. at the Feast of Tabernacles. Amen. But either way, he says, first voice which I heard was it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. There's your rapture. There's your come up hither. Yeah. If he's, and then look what he's doing. He says, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. He's in the here and now mm -hmm. when he started that verse. Now he's in the hereafter, yep. immediately, in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Verse 2, and immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, you remember Paul getting called up to the third heaven? Mm -hmm. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Yep. In 2 Corinthians 12, whether in the body or out of the body, mm -hmm. I can't tell. He's in the Spirit. Yep. See? And uh, behold a throne. And then we see the, the, the value of that is that is, is pre-trib because from verses four, uh, 6 through uh, 19, you have nothing yes. but hell on earth, tribulation, antichrist, mark of the beast, judgment, and all of these things you will not see the mention of the word church yeah. there. The church is gone. Mm -hmm. That's a pre-trib. But that's just a, another little one of them. Embell I wouldn't launch pre-trib doctrine from that, but that sure embellishes pre-trib doctrine. The uh, problem, 1 Corinthians 15 too. Go ahead. The problem with all of the um, basically combining all of the events that occur, making them one event at the end of the tribulation is this. All throughout the book of the Revelation, there are saints that are there. The angel talking with John, what does he say? I am your fellow servant. This is somebody who's already in heaven with God, mm -hmm. and he's telling John, don't fall down and worship me. I'm your fellow servant. Mm -hmm. There's 24 elders, right? Mm -hmm. So this is all occurring during the tribulation, and these 24 elders, which however you want to interpret it, they're the representation of the 
Old Testament saints and New Testament saints, right? You've got the 12 tribes of Israel. You've got the 12 of, apostles of in the New Testament. Possibly, but of course there's there's a lot of, nobody knows. Okay. I mean, you know. But they're uh, certainly not, they're not angels. These are, these are humans, mm-hmm. right? That once lived on earth, okay, would be the assumption making there. Mm-hmm. I would say that you have to say, how did they get to heaven during and before the tribulation begins? Mm-hmm. That's a good question to ask. Well, wouldn't you say if I had to? If I had to, and say how it, are they present before Armageddon? Let's say I had happens. to make those twenty-four elders, the twenty-four priests at the uh, the, the the circuit of twenty-four. I've heard that too. That the the feast of a you know like like John the Baptist dad was after the after the order of uh, a Byron, I believe it was that they had a two. Basically, there's twenty-four uh, priests that serve two weeks. Okay, uh, you know, and you know, for one they uh but let's say that's them okay? okay not saying it is but let's say it is well when he led captivity captive mm-hmm. they did go to heaven and, and ephesians chapter 4 lays that out with that okay that map okay i think that map fine uh either way they're in heaven but, but the problem with that is is that remember we don't have a first resurrection until the events of revelation chapter 20 if i'm looking at this as a non Pre-millennial, you're still a dispensational. Again, the, I know you do. You got first resurrection. First resurrection for who? That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. though. This is what I'm trying to map out for people. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any allotment for a resurrection or a rapture before the events that end the tribulation in Armageddon is a dispensational view of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Any right. allotment right. of that. So the reason why I'm being so critical of that is literally you have had a person get on a debate with you and 10 times after your debate or after another debate, these dispensationalists, and they're talking about it like they're not one. Like you don't even understand what you technically are. You are a dispensationalist that believes in different dispensations than I do and joins two together that I think should be separate. That's all you are. No, that's good. You're right. That's uh, all I was making. We're in 1 Corinthians 15, and I know we've got to end soon, but let's um, hit this. Yeah. um, (laughs) Well, talking about order, I'm trying to to lay this thing out the best I can. It's it's hard to really... I I pity those who are listening to us right now. (laughs) You understand? Because it's so scattered. I'm going to tell you, but I say this to... To our friends, our uh, opponents out there, <laughs> there are levels to this game. There yeah. are levels to this game. And this is how you enter the game. This is the game right here. There's levels to this thing. And uh, I'm show, I will show you things that you didn't, have not considered. So please come ahead and uh, we'll, we'll discuss this thing more. Uh, because look here. Now, verse 20. Uh, chapter 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Now. <laughs> that's where he's at. He has. That's that's done. There's your. If you want to talk about first resurrection, yes. how about that's your first resurrection? But that's not the first resurrection in the arena of of uh, Revelation twenty. Yeah. Say, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Again, that's not that's those that sleep in the grave in First Thessalonians four. They slept. That means they rose up with him. And of course, the bodies came up and stuff like that. I guess you could tether that to. Uh, Matthew 27, but uh, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Here we go. But every man in his own order. Uh oh, we're going to talk about some order now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ's 
at his coming. Amen. Okay. Now Amen. that coming, what is that the end of all things? <laughs> is that the is that the general resurrection at the end? I trow not. Yeah. Okay. This is this, I'm going somewhere, man. I promise I am. This is you're not gonna be able to make this anything but what we're saying it is. It's a pre-tribulation rapture. Because after that you got then come at the end. What is the end? The end of what? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. That does not mean, that's not a verse that proves that he's reigning now. That's, a, that's within that arena. When the end, when the end cometh, it's excellent. He, uh, that's, the, that's when he establishes Amen. rule on this earth under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. Oh my goodness. Revelation chapter 20, verse 9, I believe it is. Death and hell were cast into a lake of fire. Mm -hmm. That's the second resurrection. Yeah. Because the, the sea gave up the dead. That's, res, you know, all that in them, right? Yep. I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God. And, and the, the earth is given up all yeah. the dead. Um, that's, that's that resurrection. So what about the, these, we that are Christ that is coming, you see? Uh, that's, I, that, I submitted to you, that is a rapture of the church because he goes on to say a lot of things here okay but then he get, he, he goes back to say basically what a man what about our body what body do we come up with and yeah. things like that because i could kick back i could say that the people that rose up from the graves in matthew chapter 27 may not be resurrected saints that may be a restoration of life like lazarus mm -hmm. you see um lazarus is another another one of them little embellishments you got he's dead four days that's a picture mm -hmm. of israel i could say that's israel being sick for two days and four days, you know, and all of that stuff. Yeah. After two, four days total, that'd be four thousand years since uh, since David. And there's no in Jewish culture. There's no difference between three and a half days and four. So it's three and a half year tribulation resurrection, right? Okay. Like something like that. But uh, so anyway, we got this situation here, and uh, then it picks up, of course, to the famed passage that many pre-trib guys would quote. Now, your post-trib crowd has no problem with that. They say no problem. That's the res that's the resurrection. It's synonymous with the last resurrection, uh, with the general resurrection. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. For the trumpet, again, it's not the last trumpet judgment. It's mm -hmm. the last trump, the sound that the trumpet makes. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I'm using that near demonstrative, this corruptible must put on in, 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 in corruption, in the same way with mortal. Yeah. And, uh, so, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, corruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Well, at that point right there, death is still reigning. You yeah. see, death has not been defeated, but it has no victory over you. You've been taken out of that thing. So we have overcome. We are overcomers like that. Well, with that being said, I'm not going to give that away. I'm not, I, know the, I know the kickback that you get on that, mm -hmm. but you start laying that thing out like I... Is what you do. You go back to First Corinthians and lay out that order. 
Yes. Go back to Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and show we're waiting for the Son of, uh, waiting for the coming of, of the Lord, and those which are alive and remain. Try to put that in the uh, in the mid tribulation rapture. You cannot do it because a lot of people will be alive and remain at the coming of the Lord that will go to Amen. a devil's hell. Amen. They're not going to be comforted with anything. You can't if you put them together. It's incredibly irresponsible at best. At best, and, and I purposely think deceptive. The best way that I would lay this out for believers, if you're looking at this, this first resurrection passage, when you go and it talks about the second resurrection, mm -hmm. the second resurrection is unto the great white throne judgment, right? That you're going to see if the books are opened and whether or not your, your book is in the name, the Lamb's Book of Life. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember who first laid this out, but I'm going to make this argument and see if you agree with it. Mm -hmm. You have one rapture and you have one, you have one resurrection, right? And... If I'm going to harvest a group of trees, I'm going to go in and I'm going to cut out a bunch of trees that start to let everything else grow up. And that would be a gleaning. And then you're going to have a general harvest, right? And then you're going to have an ending harvest, okay, of right. these. When I'm, and that's all one harvest of one plot of land. Okay. But it's separated into a bunch of different events. Mm -hmm. And everyone's trying to push that up and push it into the last part and say, no, it's one harvest. And you're like, yes, it is one harvest. It is one resurrection. Here's the first fruits. Then there's going to be a re there's going to be another one. Obviously, at this point, the people that are raptured are going to greatly, the people that are resurrected at the rapture mm -hmm. are going to greatly outnumber the people that are on this earth oh, when the rapture Big occurs, time. right? Time, yes. So you're going to have a rapture of saints into heaven. That's going to be a huge harvest mm -hmm. of 2,000 years of time. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have tribulation saints, believers, that are part of that resurrection at the end of the tribulation, right? I would call that the gleanings. Yeah, the gleanings. With that thought being in mind about arena, guys, if you can get this, you got something though. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. Remember Jesus saying yeah. that? And then you just described, if I'm not mistaken, based upon what we're reading here, in first, especially in 1 Corinthians 15, the harvest is the rapture of the church. Yes. Look at Revelation 14 real quick. Show you what a mess you can get into, man. There's levels to this game, folks. Revelation 14. All right, now we're dealing with the mark of the beast. There's no doubt about it. Verses 8 through 12, mark of the beast. Uh, verse 14, I looked and behold a white cloud and one, and upon the cloud, one like unto the Son of Man, having in his head a golden crown in his hand, a sharp sickle. Looks like he's ready to harvest something, uh -huh. doesn't he? And another angel came out with the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. What a mess you can get into saying the harvest is just one event. Yes. This is a different arena. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't get your arenas right, the present world versus the world that is to come versus the world that then was, that yes. perished and things like that. What world we're dealing with, you understand? You got your, your context is going to tell you. Yeah. What a mess that is. That's a, that's a harvest. It's a harvest of slaughter yeah. if you keep on reading it. That's yeah. the grapes and stuff. You've got uh, the wheat being gathered together in the barn and uh -huh. then the tares being burned in the yeah. parables. Mm -hmm. Well, gathered up into the barn kind of seems like some type of rapture, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> With that being said, yeah. there's a, there is a, there is a mid-trib rapture. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But that is not for the church. It's a different arena. It's a different compartment. I think if, if I could do anything, I would love to end it like this. I would love 
to put something together where we, we compartmentalize it as much as we can and you say, this is how, this is where I would take this under the spectrum. If, if you were drawing your own map, right? You say under the spectrum of these verses of this present world, I would put these scriptures. And then for the mid-trib, do that. Because I'll be honest with you right now. I could not, I don't think I could, I could artfully articulate a mid-tribulation rapture. I, I, I wouldn't want to do it right now. And I think that that's just, some of those flaws are, I think, why it's so much easier to put cleaner breaks are more easily communicated. It's easier people, to put things that's together. That's why people have timelines, and here's the problem. What, yeah. what, what's going to happen? I love, I love a chart. Yeah. Things like that. That's why we have charts. That's why Clarence Larkin did charts. Yeah. We didn't get, notice I haven't mentioned Clarence Larkin. Yeah. I haven't mentioned nothing about, uh, anything about Schofield or Darby or any of these men. Uh, I think his charts are good. Yeah. They're good, and I'm not going to vilify them at all. They're good, man. Yeah. Uh, but that's why he did that. Now, if you know, now, here we are. We're not using charts. You, if we did use charts, we would be accused by opponents of just... Uh, quoting a catechism that we have built up without tethering it to, to Scripture, what we're doing, we're dealing with Scripture and laying it out. You can chart it. You'll have to map it and chart it in your mind somehow and lay that thing out. Why not lay it out like you said? I think that's good, but you got to have both. The yeah. chart had better match. No, match I agree. I want to make it where people can see this stuff and see like, okay, yeah, now when I'm reading, I understand where this goes. I understand how to lay that out. Because I think it is difficult for a lot of people, and especially if you don't read large chunks of your Bible at a single time, yeah. I think it's hard. They open up the Bible, and they might start in the New Testament, and they read Matthew, and then they just have assumptions about where they lay, mm -hmm. or they haven't read their Bible through maybe ever, even once, mm -hmm. and then they're trying to, it almost feels like you're trying to pull a trick on them, yeah, or you're right. trying to do something. I'm like, look, if I can only explain to you the the levels of stuff we... the the amount of stuff that you and me do not use because we do not want someone to be able to take one piece of that and say, see how this is wrong? Yeah. See how this is wrong? And then it somehow vilifies the other points. There's, there's a thousand things that guys on the other side of the aisle use that I think are, I would say they're, they're definitely using a manipulative trick to pull off a point. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be accused of doing the same thing. I don't want to be accused of... I think it's intellectually dishonest, but I, I think more than anything, it's spiritually dishonest. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't want to... I don't think God needs my lie to help prove His truth. Right. You know? Right. But anyhow, let's end it there, and then if there's something else we want to pick up or revisit on this, I don't think this will be our last eschatological shakedown that we do. I thought this was... Really and if anyone is confused about what you heard, I'd feel your pain. You should be confused if you're not familiar with Scripture. Also, I want to make this available. The emails on all the sites. I know you've gotten one email that the guy had asked you a question yeah, I on. I forgot about that, too. And then I don't know why it came to you. It just comes to that general email, and I'm logged into it. That's I forgot all. about that. Yeah. So anyhow, there's an email there. If you want to reach out, reach out to us, ask any questions. Um, feel free. And uh, we we are not best at getting response whatever you want to call it, ask quick him. responses. Ask him, I'm busy. Don't ask me. <laughs> I like to give them to you and then uh, look, you know, you never know. All right, that'll, that'll, we'll call that the end. We'll call that the end right there. All right, man.